The disaster and natural hazard communities are made up of many moving parts and people that play different roles. Two prominent roles are the researcher and the practitioner. One of our guests this week, Dr. Joe Trainer, explains the difference between these roles. In some way, the words don't actually mean anything by themselves, right? So researcher is the same way. Researcher is really a broad term. Practitioner is really a broad term. It, they, don't, they don't really inherently mean anything in of themselves. I think what we're, what we're using those words, that we're using the, the researcher word to, to kind of focus in on people that are trying to create basic knowledge, people that are trying to create kind of applied knowledge, people that come from traditional academic disciplines, or that kind of training and background. And I think when we say practitioner, we're talking about people that are engaging in policy, that are engaging in programs, that are working in agencies, people that are part of an organization whose day-to-day -day mission it is to communicate weather, to predict weather, to kind of uh, deliver emergency management communication, to kind of make communities safer. However, to successfully implement newfound knowledge into practice and to further investigate some of the practical challenges that practitioners face, researchers and practitioners must work together. That's where Impact 360 Alliance can help out. Impact 360 Alliance, which was previously known as the Alliance for Integrative Approaches to Extreme Environmental Events, strives to help researchers and practitioners establish connections, build relationships, and co-create innovative solutions together. The other guest on this week's podcast, Dr. Scott Miles, the director of Impact 360 Alliance, tells us more about the organization and what sets it apart in the disaster and natural hazards communities. All sorts of folks uh, across the natural hazards and disaster space, you know, private sector and public sector and universities who are doing this kind of integration research and practice, but very, very few have it as their job to figure out how we do this better. Figuring out how do we communicate and collaborate better? Like, let's go and see what people are doing, how they're doing it, what are the successes, what are the not so much successes. Let's try some new things from different fields and see how it works, you know, keep track of it, like Joe said, iterate and keep giving that back to the, to the community. And I, I, I definitely think that's the value that, that we add. On this week's episode of Weather Hype, we are joined by Dr. Joe Trainer, Director of the Disaster Science and Management Program at the University of Delaware, and the Chair of the Impact 360 Steering Committee, and Dr. Scott Miles, the Director of Impact 360 Alliance, to talk about the importance of building and maintaining researcher and practitioner relationships. Along the way, you'll learn about the up-and-coming organization called Impact 360 that strives to build these researcher-practitioner connections. Not only that, but you'll also pick up some tips to help you collaborate or start one of these mutual partnerships along the way. Whether you're a researcher, practitioner, or a little of both, this episode will have something for you. So stick around because Weather Hype is coming up next. Now I'm the reason why you broke up with him and got back together Thought I was sunshine, but baby, I'm bad weather I'm off the Doppler in the five-day forecast By the time they hear me, I've already pushed the shore back No, no, I wasn't always like this Skies cleared soon as my daylight lit Sidewalks dried up, no snow emergency I could take your February and turn it into spring I was born on a storm When I get gone, I get gone And I don't need anyone to know better Welcome back to Weather Hype. Um, we are 
extremely excited to have this discussion today. I know in particular I am um, because I am kind of a part of this, um, but I think uh, more broadly it's really interesting because as Min has kind of shifted his job role a bit, um, our podcast <laughs> in essence has become kind of this researcher and practitioner um, talking to you guys. So I think it's really interesting and fun that we're going to have this discussion about both researchers and practitioners and the ways that they can interact and have relationships. So I think um, what we should do now is bring on Scott. Um, so welcome, Scott, to the podcast. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Welcome, Scott. Yeah, of course. And I think um, just thinking about kind of this idea between researchers and practitioners, the reason why we wanted to bring you on is because of this really cool new initiative, amazing, awesome, <laughs> so many different words that we can put in front of it, um, called Impact 360. And since you are the director, I will let you kind of take over from here and kind of explain what that is, what does that mean? Etc. Awesome. Thanks. Appreciate the enthusiasm as well. <laughs> Hopefully we live up to it. Yes. Uh, so Impact360, uh, we're a startup nonprofit organization. And uh, I guess in general, we're working to reduce the impacts of natural hazards like hurricanes and tornadoes and, and disasters associated with those. But we're specifically doing this by developing and applying tools to help researchers and practitioners like build stronger connections and integrate approaches and actually solve problems together. We're not actually an independent organization yet, like a 501c3, that is down the road. But uh, right now we have a couple of fiscal sponsors, uh, University of Oklahoma and University of Washington. It's been a little confusing for folks that, you know, they sometimes see those universities associated with this. It's not specifically associated with them. They're just being very nice and, and um, serving as fiscal sponsors. So at the moment, we have one paid staff member, which would be me. <laughs> and <laughs> we have 15 volunteer st steering committee members um, who are helping kind of guide the process of um, Impact 360 as we get off the ground. Uh, we are in the process of hiring two other staff members. So I don't know when people can start to, to hear this, but uh, if you're out there, get in touch if you need a job. <laughs> so, um, and as of yet, we don't have any formal membership or subscription process yet. Uh, but we do have a really strong and growing group of partners and followers and subscribers. Uh, but what's most exciting is now after a year of kind of putting the legs on the robot, we uh, will start to actively broaden those uh, partnerships. So speaking of the steering committee, I want to go ahead and officially welcome Dr. Joe Trainer to the podcast as well. Welcome, Joe. Thanks, Thanks for having uh, us on. To, uh, talk about the yeah of course and we already heard from scott a little bit about impact 360 in his uh eyes i guess or from his perspective and we kind of um introduced the topic a bit about researchers and practitioners and how it's really kind of this interesting aspect that impact 360 kind of can help with um and he mentioned the steering committee a bit and so i thought this would be a perfect opportunity for you to jump in and kind of uh describe that in a few sentences about what it is and uh, how that kind of works before we move into talking more about researcher and practitioner relationships. 
Absolutely. So the uh, steering committee is a group of individuals that are made up of both researchers uh, from a whole bunch of different disciplines and uh, people in practice. So forecasters, meteorologists, um, operational meteorologists, and folks that are even at the strategic level who are giving input to both the kind of values and approach of the organization and the, the operations and business plan and other dimensions to make sure that we get that input from a broad group of stakeholders to make sure that, that Scott is the director and myself is the chair of the steering committee and Kim Klockow is the vice chair are making decisions that, that, that drive the organization in directions that reflect what the community wants and needs. Great. And I think the question that I want to ask both of you um, is thinking about Impact 360, um, why is it important or needed in the hazards community? I guess like what is different about it from other organizations or uh, what is exciting about it that kind of is fueling it in the hazards community? Uh, well, I guess I'll, I'll tackle that first. Um, I guess from two perspectives, both my own professional experience having straddled the line between academia and, and consulting for most of my career. Um, well, stint with the U.S. Geological Survey as well. But another perspective is since um, starting to put together Impact 360 Alliance, I've had over 100 conversations with researchers and practitioners. And so based on both my experience and those conversations, you know, it's pretty clear to me that there's a pretty large gap between the state of research and state of practice, as well as kind of a disconnect between researchers and practitioners. And like, absolutely, this isn't universally true, but it's it's quite common to hear these kind of frustrations, whether it's like, hey, there's this bit of research that if we could only implement it, or hey, there's these practitioners and we just can't get them to engage, you know, so we, we hear these, um, stories pretty often and at the very least i think everyone can agree that there's there's room to uh improve and i think specifically what's the least common about kind of research or practitioner relationships are um those folks working together to co-create solutions to like the problems that are out there you know the uh it tends to be a lighter touch interaction between researchers and practitioners like just communicating their findings or things like that um joe what would you see the reason is the, the importance yeah i think absolutely i think that's 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 right scott and i think the other thing is that in the research that i've done with with other colleagues in the area and in the the kind of conversations we have with everyday people trying to make these things work the 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 incentive structure and the the kind of organizational support for people who want to do this kind of work hasn't been out there so there's been some organizations that have been working on it for sure absolutely we're definitely not the first to to touch on this area but i think we're one of the the first that has a a, a very focused mission to develop tools and processes and approaches and networks and systems and, and, and to really focus this as our, as our kind of core set of activities. And, and I think it's important because, because it's easy to underestimate how much, uh, how much work goes into building these kinds of things and, and the importance of them. So having an organization that has this as its kind of core mission, I think can really make a difference. I think we can, we can do some things because our attention is focused on these particular uh, problems. And, and I, and 
I think in the, in the absence of that, what tends to happen, or what I've tend to see, at least when, when we talk to people about the problems, is, is we tend to focus on the barriers, and we tend to focus on the issues, and we tend to focus on the things that make it hard, instead of putting the time and effort and energy into working through those things and finding the pathways to the other side, which is, I think, primarily what what we think impact 360 is going to uh, going to be working on. And Joe Scott and Castle when you say practitioner what exactly do you mean in in building that relationship of of you know researchers and practitioners and and how is are, are those people who apply that kind of information of weather and, and things like that? Yeah, it's a great it's a great question actually because in some ways in some way the words don't actually mean anything by themselves, right? Yeah. So 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 researcher this is the same way. Researcher is really a broad term. Practitioner is really a broad term. It they don't they don't really inherently mean anything in of themselves. <laughs> um I think what we're what we're using those words that we're using the the researcher word to to kind of focus in on people that are that are that are trying to create basic knowledge, people that are trying to create kind of applied knowledge, people that come from mm-hmm. traditional academic disciplines and and or or that kind of training and background and are and are looking at the kind of core science knowledge. And I think when we say practitioner, we're talking about people that are engaging in policy, that are engaging in programs, that are working in agencies, People that are go, that are, that have, that are part of an organization whose day to day mission it is to communicate weather, to predict weather, to kind of uh, deliver emergency management communication, to kind of make communities safer. So, so people that are, you know, sometimes people use the word boots on the ground. <laughs> so, so we're trying to, to make connections between people that are, that are thinking in the more theoretical and or research design knowledge creation kind of space. With, with people who are boots on the ground, dealing with day-to-day problems in communities. Uh, so I think, is makes sense to you, Scott? Scott, you might have f- more focus on, on the distinction. No, I, I think that's the perfect answer. I mean, I, I think also, you know, just to be honest, like, it, it, it's been difficult for us to figure out how to refer you know, to our colleagues and potential partners. Like, both Joe and I, do private consulting as well as publish in, you know, academic journals. And there's a lot of people that's vice versa, right? They're working at uh, forecast offices, but they'll still be a third author on a, on a peer reviewed paper. And, um, you know, no, no teacher likes to ask like, Oh, have you ever actually practiced, you know, what you teach, right? We're, we're, we're all practitioners and we all and somehow to like solve our problems are engaging in, in research. But I think it's kind of like, uh, we're thinking maybe the proportion of effort <laughs> that, that people put towards. But I think also it's kind of like what, um, Joe is touching on is, almost a, a cultural and institutional and organizational difference. So for folks that, you know, their job performance, it requires that they publish or perish or their job performance requires that they get something implemented and out the door in three days, you know, so that there's kind of those, those cultural institutional differences might be the biggest distinction. Um, so we're always going to like raise some hackles by saying researchers and practitioners, but uh, it's, it's, <laughs> the, it's the convenient set of terms. 
And if we want to help our audience kind of think about this more tangibly, do either of you have any examples of maybe yourselves uh, having some sort of collaboration between a researcher and a practitioner or just something that we can kind of sink our teeth into about what this kind of means and help kind of visualize it a bit? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think that, that most of the folks that are involved in the Impact 360 Alliance, most of the people that are on the steering committee, part of the reason why they're there is because they've been doing these kinds of things for, for extended period of time. I'll just give you one example from 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 uh, the center that, that I work at, uh, the Disaster Research Center. That's my day job, uh, where, where we've been partnering with the Disaster Emergency Management Agency in Delaware. And, and uh, one of my colleagues ran a course this past, uh, this past year on recovery. And the way that that course worked is they went in and we were looking for literature on how to write recovery plans, the dimensions of recovery plans, what matters in recovery. And, and the students were reading about that material. But simultaneously, we were having meetings with um, the Delaware Emergency Management Agency, who was currently developing the, the state's recovery plan. And, and we were having conversations back and forth between Delaware Emergency Management Agency and the students in a class. And we were working through what were their needs? What were the expectations? What did the plan have to include? And, and trying to find ways for the knowledge and insight that exist in the literature on recovery to, to inform how they develop each of those pieces and parts of the recovery plan. So that's that's an example where where the folks actually writing these plans and engaging it for the state of Delaware were engaged with our center and with our students actively creating content that will actually be used in in the plans, uh, but was informed by research and, and research findings. I think another example, <clears throat> not personally for me, but uh, another steering committee member, Susan Joslin at the University of Washington Psychology. She has a long and strong relationship with the National Weather Service uh, office in Seattle, where you know it really seems to this be a cycle of, of inspiration and work between the two of them uh, as she helps, you know, uh, helps them answer their questions about their messaging and they provide feedback in terms of scoping some of her research questions you know from from talking to do them it's it's two of them it's been a very like fruitful relationship uh, an example for me is the last 10 years while living in the state of washington i now live in texas as of a couple months ago i was on the emergency management uh, committee for the state of Washington. So it's a, like a policy committee. So that policy committee was set up specifically to integrate kind of the expertise across uh, the different agencies in the state of Washington, the state government, uh, expertise out in private practice and expertise in the very, in a couple different universities in um, the state of Washington. And so we would help them identify like policy gaps, help them understand how they go about doing analysis to understand like what, where they should be putting more of their resources into. So that's a, a different kind of relationship example where it's this longstanding um, policy body. So I think there's a lot of different ways you can see this happen. And I, and I just want to stress, I think that, that 
If you were to talk to people in the community at large, the AMS community, the natural hazards community, the disasters community, there are people all around and all throughout these communities doing this kind of work already. But I think that, that, that we are, the people on this group are not unique in that. I think what we are doing is we're trying to bring attention to it. And we're trying to make sure that, that there is a platform for the lessons learned in this kind of work to be exchanged and communicated and, and drive the cycle of innovation in, in this area, just like other kinds of work already does. So again, I think if you were to, th th there just isn't a place where we can shine a light or hold a bullhorn for the folks that are doing this kind of work to, to, to bring attention to it and to help the, the insights that they're creating on a day-to-day -day basis be integrated into how other people do their work in this particular space. I think that's a great point, Joe, and uh, Scott as yeah, well, because... You know, Castle and I were talking last week when we were going on a hike here in Colorado. He came out to visit. And, you know, I asked him, I said, you know, as a employee or a member of FEMA, I have a lot of knowledge from my academic times that I try to apply in my communication of weather or emergency management information. But I know there's so much good research going on out there. And I want to know how I can apply some of that research to my work or help to share that information with my coworkers so that we can really take advantage of the wonderful research going out there and really apply them to day-to-day -day activities. And so, you know, to Castle, I, I was, was saying how it can feel frustrating because I know it's out there, but I don't know how to connect with these people. And then he said, you know what, that's a great thing to bring up on the podcast and talk to you guys about because that's yep. kind of what Impact360 is all about. And I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's, it's building connections. It's bringing awareness. And I think the other thing that, that, that one of the, one of the real strengths Scott has brought as director is to focus our attention on building the tools too. Right. Right. So recognizing that, that doing this kind of work requires different kinds of effort. And, and part of what we are focused on is trying new things, learning from them. And then iterating how we actually do that work, right? So, so understanding how to make adjustments based on what works and what doesn't work. So we keep building a better toolbox and get better and better at make doing this kind of work as a group, but not just for impact 360 as like the people inside of it, but that impact 360 is providing insights for the community too, right? It's mm -hmm. not where it's, 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 it's looking outward and, and is trying to empower the community as much as it's trying to build any individual inside of its uh, um, prowess or credence or whatever it is. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think that's the value proposition, right? It's that all sorts of folks uh, across the natural hazards and disaster space, you know, in the private sector and public sector and universities who are doing this kind of integration research and practice, but very, very few, uh, you know, it, have it as their job to figure out how we do this better right you know right and yeah. and that's what's unique about us is is right now you have a full-time person working on that me and within you know a few months there'll be three more right so that's a big deal like what joe is saying is figuring out how do we communicate and collaborate better like let's go and see what people are doing, how they're doing it, what are the successes, what are the not so much successes. Let's try some new things from different fields and see how it works. You know, keep track of it, like Joe said, iterate and keep giving that back to the to the community. And I I, I definitely think that's the value that, that we add. 
So speaking of, I think both of you kind of in previous discussion brought up some of the barriers that kind of prevent researchers kind of collaborating with practitioners, but also practitioners collaborating with researchers and how Impact 360 is trying to actually kind of find the path forward from that. So I was curious if you guys could kind of touch on a bit of some of the barriers that you kind of feel like are are maybe some of the most important ones to tackle and ways that Impact 360 may be kind to try and approach those. Yeah, I, I can give one, I think, the one that I think is the most important. It's, we've, we've highlighted some work over the last month on this. And, and I, I think it's a mindset. Mm. I think it's, it's, it's getting ourselves to think about this as an important problem and to position, to understand where we fit into the solutions, right? So, so, so we've been, we've been highlighting humility as a theme over the last, over, over the month of June and, and trying to help people understand the importance of humility in approaching your work. So that you know that you have something and that you have some value, but other people have some value too. And, and I, and I've, we've, we've, we've had other kinds of discussions about, you know, understanding, you know, this us versus them mentality and breaking that down, realizing that at the end of the day, we're all people trying to make the world a better place, trying to, to fight against, uh, vulnerabilities, trying to, make people safer against disasters and floods and tornadoes and all, all kinds of threats that we face today. And, and, and the idea is that, that the mindset that, that, that to do this is going to take a community and, and how do we build spaces mm-hmm. and processes that get people, give people the opportunity to talk with each other, give people the opportunity to sustain work, give people the opportunity to engage on specific problems and think through from, from what do we know to what's the solution to those problems. So, so I think part of it is a mindset. You know, seeing this as a viable thing, seeing it as an important thing, seeing our individual places in it. I think another thing is, is, is then the tools to actually engage and work and resources to kind of bring time and attention to this. So those are, to me, those are the two biggest things. First is getting people into the mindset where they see this as a possibility. They see this as important. They see this as some, as a place that they can hang their hat and build their careers. Mm-hmm. And, and then the second thing that I think is, is, building tools and incentives and and energy and a focus and attention around people that are doing good work in these areas. Um, there's a lot of barriers and we could, I could tick down a list. We've actually written some things on this, but I, I, I actually don't like to focus on barriers. I think, I think it's, I think it's defeating. Mm-hmm. I, I like to focus on solutions. Yeah. So, but, but I'll, I'll turn it over to Scott and, and, and you may have other insights. I think complementary to the, um, intellectual humility part is, is the empathy part, right? And so I think that's how yeah. you put it, the, the barriers and the positive spin of like, you know, literally trying to put yourself in the shoes of folks that do work that's different than what you do, right? We are, we're all in it to reduce impacts and to save lives, right? But we have different jobs and different responsibilities, right? And, and so that means being empathetic to those who aren't in the same situation that you are, aren't held to the same performance standards, you know, have different resources to work with. And uh, that goes a long way combined with the intellectual humility for for building trust, right? And you can't collaborate without trust. And the, you know, if you're like academic to academic, you can kind of like just cold call someone 
simply by reputation or the length of your CV and, and often like succeed in collaborating and getting a grant or something like that. But going from like uh, an academic, kind of an academic, but kind of not, but I, I recently reached out to someone at the emergency management office in, in Harris County here in Houston, just asking them to go to coffee. They replied back, I'll pass. I don't know why. <laughs> You know, we should talk to each other. I'm like, oh my God, that's never happened oh, to me before. You know, so, but it doesn't work as well, right? There's there's not that kind of institutional mm -hmm. trust. And so there needs to be not just the tools and the processes, but the kind of the venues and opportunities uh, to, to do that empathy and, and trust building. Given kind of some of those answers, I'm curious to hear from men's perspective in kind of switching from this researcher role to a practitioner role and thinking about how kind of some of these topics and ideas that we've been talking about are kind of appearing in his mind or like how he's uh, trying to think about those. So Ooh, can you elaborate in my mind? Yeah, no, yes. sure. I, I think everything I'm hearing is really good. And so it's I'm still having a hard time visualizing, I think how that collaboration piece is really going to work. I, I've heard that, you know, we want to bring people together, really build that partnership. Um, are there physical things that you guys are doing as an organization to make that happen? Is there a portal or a web page or a database where people can go to to connect with one another? Um, is there a place that people can go to see? Because a lot of the stuff I'm hearing, it sounds a little bit like was it so whether in society integrated studies some of the listeners that are listening may know a little bit about that or uh, people in the weather community so kind of bridging from was is and moving on forward to impact 360 um, what are the relations between that and also where can people go because for me you know i want to collaborate with a lot of researchers or whatever but i don't know how to do that where to go to make that happen so is that something impact 360 is working on yeah, I would just take one second here because Scott, I think, is the, is best suited to talk about those specific mechanisms. But I do think you make a good, a good, and a really important point here that 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 many of the things that Impact Three Hundred and Sixty is working on right now builds on a long-standing legacy in the weather community and in the research community, in the disaster research community. But both of those kind of intellectual spaces. And it's connected to kind of uh, to, to the National Weather Service, and it's connected to the Weather Enterprise, and there there, there have been many of these kinds of efforts uh, across time. And I think was is a great example. Swim is a great example. I think that that the uh, Weather Ready Nation meetings, the the, uh, the there's just a whole host of these kinds of things that have happened. And I, and I think part of the reason why Impact Three Hundred and Sixty can happen now is because it builds on the energy and and community that those other efforts have helped to create. So so I think that that many of those were so foundational to kind of even awakening people to the the fact that this was a possibility. And I, I think in some ways one of the things that's different about uh, that we hope is different about Impact 360 is is that it's creating a set of tools that can be that can be used by the community in larger settings where where many of these efforts were focused on networking and they were focused on building individual connections or 
connections between people within a single single group. And I think we're hoping that many of the things that we develop, although they will have those connection building, it'll have that network, it'll have those integration functions, will also provide some some materials and papers and tools and and objects that can be pushed out and adopted more easily by people that are that are not directly in a specific meeting or part of one particular workshop. So 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 again, I think part of it is is developing a set of things that live outside of one specific set of meetings or or interactions or you know and and, and again, I think all of the things that we are talking about build on the the incredible legacy and effort and attention that have put by a lot of other people. So again, I, I want to make sure that we do emphasize that we know that that Impact Three Hundred and Sixty is being built on things that that many prior organizations and and studies and reports and academy discussions and uh, uh, have have contributed to well and, and one thing that i didn't mention when you guys asked uh, who is impact 360 alliance well we we rebranded a year ago right so it used to be the alliance um Alliance for Integrative Approaches to Extreme Environmental Events. And I had maybe three or four other names before that. But you can see mention of the idea going back to like 2013, right? So this is this is not just like inspired and informed by a lot of those other initiatives. Those literally like we're laying the groundwork for what we're what we're trying to do now. So yeah, it, it's not so much that it's sounds similar it's you know literally kind of grown out from a lot of a lot of those initiatives uh but you want something more specific than that (laughs) um (laughs) so uh a couple answers one is like you know we've spent the last year really doing a lot of the organizational development work you know making sure that we're something that people can point to and reach out to and that we have a presence and that we have a voice and we have a brand um but while doing that we certainly have kind of hammered out how we're gonna um address what you're talking about so i'd say there's kind of two sides to that one is the operations side and what we'll be doing there is kind of developing a community knowledge base we'll see how well this works but uh, you can kind of think of it as like the support desk for your favorite software or something like we'll spend a lot of our own effort kind of populating it with uh, information that we've heard people want but we're hoping it takes on a bit more of an organic um kind of feel that there's always that network effect thing that we've talked to a lot of people who say that they want this kind of knowledge base where research can be translated uh, and uh, kind of the practice challenges can be posted so researchers can develop proposals around it. We've heard that a lot, but at the same time, you know, if people don't use it, that's going to make it difficult uh, for um, being success- successful. But that is the plan right now, and we're just in the process of, of designing that. Um, the other, we, oh, go for it. Yeah. So again, that's a, that's going to be a yep. virtual space on the internet where people can come to have conversations, to put content, to 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 contribute to what we know and what we need to know in this area. So again, a, a virtual space for 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 us to hold things yeah and in, including in that um for me I, I see it as a slightly different platform but there'll be a way for folks to find out about each other 
find out uh, what folks are working on, what kind of problems are out there, uh, what resources in terms of uh, potentially like funding are out there. So, you know, uh, more than in just a, a directory or a contact database, but, uh, you know, similar. We're, we're not trying to create uh, LinkedIn for for hazards of disaster folks don't don't get that don't get that idea it's not going to be that that uh, um, ambitious so then on the on the service side what i would say is kind of core to our mission is developing you know the tools and when we say tools we mean kind of like the processes and templates that people can use to for example communicate what it is that they either know the lessons they've learned from you know the past hurricane or the findings that they had from their research what are the ways that they can like convey that to others so we might provide them templates or processes for doing that uh, we might come up with a way if um you know, there's a question of, of fact, like, we just need that number to, to answer this question. Maybe we'll help folks go through a joint fact finding process so that, you know, that it's science informed, but it's, uh, you know, contextualized for whatever that operations person uh, needs to do. And so right now, we've kind of scoped out 12 sets of, of tools that we'll be developing that we think will be helpful uh, for folks to, to communicate and to collaborate and then ultimately if they want to to solve problems together and so the toolkit you know it'll it'll live on the on the website you'll be able to interact with it on the website you'll be able to download the pdfs whatever it is a worksheet or a, a how-to guide but we'll be um actually using that toolkit to apply it and help you know partners researchers and practitioners work on their issues. And so not only is that doing good in and of itself, but that's the way that we'll be like testing out the idea of these different tools, right? So we have reasons to think that some of the things we're putting together will work, um, but then we need to actually put them out in practice and see how well they do so that we can uh, iterate on those. And then the other thing we'll do with those is we'll be offering uh, a whole suite of, of workshops so that you can attend and, and colleagues can attend to kind of learn some of these things, you know, and it could be as basic as like storytelling to be able to better communicate, you know, across institutional or cultural, you know, divides, things like that. So it could be as basic as that, but that's a way of bringing people together, helping them build that, that empathy and, and build that trust as well. So maybe that's more specific. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's great. And I think, again, building on that theme that we, we do think is core, which is kind of building communities and building connections and building solutions, we, we know that, that all of these things that we are trying, we don't know the answers. If we knew the answers exactly, 100%, yeah. if, we were, if we were standing a, a high and we had figured it all out, right, we would be able to put it out there and just put it together. But part of what we're saying is we are recognized, we are trying to display that humility, right? The idea that we are, we are, we are a creative group. We are trying to come up with creative solutions. We're going to implement them. We're going to try them. We're going to allow them to work and or not work, but we're going to learn from them, right? So the idea is it doesn't just stop because it worked or didn't work. If it, if it did work, then we put a megaphone on it and try to make sure it works in other places. If it didn't work, we're going to spend some time understanding why it didn't and what we need to change so it works next time.
right? So again, this idea of 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 tr- being creative, putting new approaches out there, learning from them, iterating them, and developing the processes so that they get better and better and better through our collective experiences, right? Through the experiences of all the people that are that are using these tools and 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 learning from them. Plus, it wouldn't be as fun if we had all the answers. Right? Yeah. <laughs> we wouldn't need this organization. That's that's true. Um, so I think, uh, well, I guess I should ask Min, are, are you sold? Was that, Am I a, sold? was that a good, was that a good answer for you? Yeah, yeah, no, I think it's good. And okay. I think, um, you know, I think people who are listening or, or other people in the future in the communities will want to know how can I get involved? What can I do? Um, things like that. And we can talk about that later or now, uh, up to you, Castle. But, um, you know, this sounds like something I would love to be a part of. And it would love to know more about how I can contribute my skills and also learn from other uh, researchers and practitioners. I say we go for it now. We're on it. All right. I have answers. <laughs> well, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> at, the, at the lowest level, you know, uh, definitely subscribe to our newsletter or follow us on social media. You know, part of our mission is building stronger connections. And so if we don't know you're out there, and then it's it's awfully hard for us to to build those connections that involve you. So so definitely uh, find us somehow on the internet. It's uh, Impact Alliance, uh, Impact Three Hundred and Sixty Alliance dot org. <laughs> um, so in terms of other kind of more meaningful things, it's really just spinning off what we were just talking about. So it's not just Joe and I. It's not just the steering committee and and the staff that are thinking about and have experience trying to you know innovate and collaborate across research and practice it's all of you all right and so we want to hear those stories those those successes those failures you know how you learn from the failures of of you know integrating research in your own practice maybe you didn't even interact with a researcher but you like ventured out and read a bunch of journal articles and tried to bring that into your plan or whatever, or some amazing workshop that, that went well, or some catastrophic <laughs> project that, that blew up in your face. Like we want to know about those because that's how we're going to come up with the ideas. That's how we're going to like iterate and figure out what's you know good for the, for the community as a whole. So, we definitely want to talk to you. We want to hear the stories. We'll be kind of uh, providing some ways for you to do that more formally here in the next couple weeks. Uh, so definitely, like I said, uh, get in touch. <laughs> we um, are, uh, like I said in the beginning, we're hiring some folks. So right now we are looking for a communications and engagement manager. Uh, we're also hiring a program manager, and that'll be that job posts in like a week or two. And then we'll also haven't figured out the title, but I think something like strategist or senior consultant, the the person who's going to do the stuff that we all wish we could do, uh, that'll be the the third person uh, that we'd be hiring. And then uh, on the horizon, we uh, will have the innovators program. And so we'll be looking for folks out there 
who you think are particularly great at integrating research and practice or facilitating researchers and practitioners on anything in particular. And we wanna highlight their work. We wanna work with them both to, to learn with what they've done, but also to, to kind of give them some more tools to, to do things uh, even better. And then we'll also be offering a workshop here pretty soon and again you got to get in touch so you know when this is going to happen to uh, learn to use storytelling and visual thinking to to communicate and collaborate better with uh, science intensive uh, topics so those are some things off the top of my head of, of how to get involved yeah i think i think th those are they're great examples scott and i think one of the things for everyone to know is that that impact 360 is standing up right now Right. So, so, so we are, we are just beginning to, to, um, to really launch in earnest. So I think that, that one of the most important things is to, again, to sign up for, for that social media contacts, to sign up for that newsletter so that as the opportunities launch, the people that are interested and genuinely want to connect can, can see them come and can, can jump right in and, and, and get going. Because I think that, that over the next year, we are going to see many of these initiatives launch and begin and and that's the, the, the it's not too late it's actually the beginning right now and we'll have all of this information on our website so you can go to the websites that scott said or you can go to our website and we'll have all this information help really connect you to impact 360 and and i think there's another thing that's really important and that, and that's if someone's listening out there thinking you know i'm already doing this kind of stuff you know, that's, this is an organization that what, what we don't need that. I'm doing it. Uh, we want to know that mm -hmm. actually. We want to, we want, if, if you've got that knowledge and you've got that experience, we want you to be part of the, the conversation. It's, we're not a, we're not a, an exclusive club. <laughs> right? So, so we're not, we're not, we're not, we, we think that if knowledge exists out there and experience exists out there, we, we encourage people to kind of connect and, and bring that, to the community. The whole point of this is to, to, to build these connections and to build it for the good of the community. So, so if you're out there and you're thinking that, write that email and, and, and reach out and, and, and bring your knowledge to bear on, on these problems or br bring it, bring it to the entity because we want to create a space that, that, that takes advantage of that. And, and, and again, and, and if you're, if people are doing really good work, put some megaphone to it so that, so that, the value added can be magnified and megaphone. Yeah, and, 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 you know, we very much see ourselves as facilitators and amplifiers, right? So we, we have the megaphone. We can not just, like, help you uh, get the word out about what you know, but we can help figure out how to, to disseminate that so people can actually learn uh, from you as well. But like Joe said, we're, we're definitely facilitators and amplifiers. This is all great. I think we're getting close to the end of the podcast, but um, I wanted to kind of leave a question at the end to kind of give our listeners something kind of concrete they can walk away with right now. Like all those Impact 360 tools are going to be so great when they come out uh, here coming up. But if people, uh, practitioners are out there right now or researchers are out there right now and they want to do, they want to start one of these partnerships, these collaborations Based on some of your experience and expertise, what are some tips or advice that you might give said individuals if they wanted to do that? I'll, I'll give a, a couple quick things. The first thing is to reach out to someone, sit down and have that coffee meeting, right? So, 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 so I think it all starts with that first contact, right? And, and, and start, 
start a conversation. And I, and I think, you know, there's a, there's a, a really interesting paper uh, written by one of our colleagues in anthropology uh, who talks about the grown zone, right? There's, <laughs> there's often kind of this space between starting and coming up with a solution where, where it's a little bit of hard work, right? So I, I think the important thing for people is to, to start that first contact to, to kind of maintain conversations, right? So, so, so not to realize that this kind of work takes some time and effort. And, and so, so start the first contact, have the first conversation, step back, think about it, be open to listening to what the other person's saying. Be open to your own expertise and, and your own skills and, and then engage again. And I think again, the idea is that, that, that each of those contacts, each of those conversations, each of those, uh, discussions, you, you, you pick up something. And, and I think oftentimes after the second, third, fourth meeting, that's the point where you start to see where those points of connection are. So I think mm-hmm. one of, one of the first things I would tell people if you're trying to is don't expect this to be a quick and, and if it was quick <laughs> and easy, everybody be yeah. doing it. Right. <laughs> So, so to recognize that it, that it takes a kind of initial commitment, but that when you get through that groan zone, when you get through that kind of initial period of, of tension, because you don't speak exactly the same language and you don't think exactly the same way, and you start to see how, how much value comes from looking at the world through someone else's perspective, that's when you start to see the real benefits and gains come from it. And, and that's the same for both researchers and practitioners. I can't tell you, I, 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 I'll tell you one story to, to kind of highlight this. My very first uh, contracting job, um, I was paid by an agency to develop a report. I worked really hard. I was really proud of it. I developed it. I came in and delivered it. And at the end, I was like, oh, wow, that didn't go over as well as I thought. I wonder how it went. And a couple of months later, I ran into somebody who was there and they're like, oh, we didn't really know what to do with it. And, and we, we, you know, we, we kind of paid the contract because you did what we said to do, but, but it wasn't exactly what we were hoping for and it wasn't as useful as we wanted. And, and it was like, I was like, at first I was like mad about it. I was like, oh my gosh, how did this happen? I can't believe. And, but after a couple of minutes and some thinking and some reflection and more conversations back with the person, we revised and adjusted and developed some things. And, and, and all of a sudden the content that was valuable was coming out and it was having that impact and it was adjusting policy. And because we made it through that spot where we didn't really know what to do with each other. <laughs> To, to the other side where all of a sudden, you know, we, we were speaking to each other, with each other and developing solutions together that actually, you know, had value. So, so again, I think the important thing is start, sustain, work through it. And, and I think that, that on the other side, you'll see real, real benefit and gain. I got, I got three, three quick ideas. So uh, the first is uh, embrace your storyteller. You know, if, if you don't feel like you're good at storytelling, there's so many resources and so many ways of practicing. My favorite is uh, Alan Alda's work. There's the Alda Center at Stony Brook University. They have a lot of great resources and, and trainings. But I mean, stories are, and if, and if you're good at storytelling, like lean into it. And stories are the way, right, that humans connect. And, and oftentimes we lose sight of that. And so embrace the stories, bring the stories up, just like Joe did, right? The three of us were like, oh, wow, the whole time he's yeah. telling us that. <laughs> so the, the second thing is become a better meeting facilitator. 
So the, the number of times that I've seen like a workshop brought together that's maybe going to bring, uh, build the relationships between local researchers and practitioners. And then the meeting just like runs off the rails because no one put any thought into designing it. There weren't people who were skillful in facilitating it and making sure everyone got heard and was able to participate in the way that they're effective at participating. And these are the things that, you know, taking some workshops and facilitating or even reading a book about facilitation, be humble, assume that you can't <laughs> run a meeting well and, and learn some new skills. Uh, and then the third thing, uh, is have a lot of happy hours. So the um, my colleague Alenka and I, uh, when I was in Seattle, for 11 years we had disaster cocktails uh, once every three months. And this was just to get everyone from the university and the agencies and the offices to get together and have whatever drink they wanted and just talk, right? So it wasn't as intense as, as the coffee meeting. It was just this always going to happen every three months, very similar to uh, green drinks and on environmental issues, right? And and so many connections were, were built that way. And it was, it was very welcoming. And it's a very easy thing to do, right? You can just pick a day, send out a blast email. And if it's only you and <laughs> drinking your beer, well, that's fine. You got a book with you but uh something probably will happen <laughs> from it excellent um i guess that i think that kind of wraps things up are there any other last minute thoughts about impact 360 or researcher practitioner relationships that are, you just didn't feel like you got to talk about no i just i, I think the last thing for me is just that we, we i just want to re-emphasize we're at the beginning here and and the the future of what impact 360 is the value of it it's it's outcome is dependent on people in the community engaging in what's going on here and and i think we're going to do we're going to work hard together we're going to get the steering committee engaged together to reach into the communities to to kind of bring those ideas out scott's already working hard on on developing new ideas on bringing his creativity to these particular problems and but but we need people who are listening to 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 step up and and engage because because we need you to engage in order for it to be sex, successful. You know, there's there's a lot of important reasons why people are can't and they're busy and there's a lot of commitments. But this is an important problem. This is something worth people people and and you, the person listening, it is worth you engaging in. So if you if you're inspired, uh, write that email right now. Get get connected with us and and. And let's let's start making a difference. I can't top that. <laughs> In that time, I already went to impact360alliance.org and I clicked on the stay informed button at the top, signed up for the newsletter. And then afterwards, I'm going to send an email in the contact us section. And that's what you guys should all do, too, if you're interested. Awesome. Love How's it. that for a shout out. Great. That's awesome. <laughs> Any last uh, thoughts, Scott? No, like I said, I can't top what Joe just said. That was that was uh, right on point and powerful. Well, again, thank you both for being on the show. We really appreciate it. I think it was very insightful for everyone. I'm glad we had Min here, the practitioner in the group, to kind of uh, bounce stuff off of us. Hey, Castle, uh, we're all really practitioners. Uh, yes, we are. <laughs> we are all practitioners. <laughs> but I think that's it. Uh, thank you guys so much for being here. Awesome. Thank you. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having us. We really appreciate it.
You can find us in a variety of places, including facebook.com slash weatherhype or weatherhypepodcast.com. You can also find us on Twitter at weatherhype, both words, weather and hype, or you can send us an email at weatherhype at gmail.com. And we love to hear from our listeners, so if you'd like to leave us a rating or review, please do so on iTunes and let us know how we're doing. Or the other podcast apps. Send us a review. And until next time. Until next time. Stay stay hyped. hyped.